Psalm 68. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke, as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it, and from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Kings and armies flee in haste. The women at home divide the plunder. Even while you sleep among the sheep pens, the wings of my dove are sheathed with, sheathed with silver, its feathers with shining gold. When the Almighty scattered the kings in the land, it was like snow fallen on Mount Zalmon. Mount Bashan, the majestic mountain, Mount Bashan, rugged mountain. Why gaze in envy, you rugged mountain, at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies, the hairy crowns of those who go on in their sins. The Lord says, I will bring them from Bashan, I will bring them from the depths of the sea, that your feet may wade in the blood of your foes, while the tongues of your dogs have their share. Your procession, God, has come into view, the procession of my God and King into sanctuary. In front are the singers, after them the musicians, with them are the young women playing timbrels. Praise God in the great congregation, praise the Lord in the assembly of Israel. There is a little tribe of Benjamin leading them. There the great throng of Judah's princes, and there the princes of Zebulun and Natalie. Summon your power, God. Show us your strength, our God, as you have done before. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring you gifts. Rebuke the beasts among the reeds, the herd of bulls among the calves of nations. Humbled, may the beast bring bars of silver. Scatter the nations who delight in war. Envoys will come from Egypt. Kosh will submit herself to God. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. For that reading. It's a long one this morning. Good morning, everyone. My name's Jack. If I haven't met you before, I'm one of the pastors here at TCU. 
what, a, what a pretty epic psalm uh, to read through together this morning to finish off our, our series on winter psalms today. It's quite a long psalm, isn't it? But it, it, is, it is a really, really wonderful psalm uh, to be spending our time in this morning as the series comes to an end. Um, do, you, do you remember being younger and, and hearing this kind of statement at school? It would have been maybe this statement or a statement pretty similar to it. Um, it's actually an age-old debate amongst primary school kids, okay? He goes like this, he goes, I bet my dad's stronger than your dad, right? It's the age-old debate. We used to have wild debates about this when I was younger. It was a really favorite uh, conversation amongst me and my friends as we tried to one-up one another. Uh, You know, whose dad was stronger, who had more money, who could win a fight against Batman, uh, whose dad would win in a race. It's just ongoing debate. I don't know if you can remember having a similar conversation when you were younger. Often it would result in kind of wild statements flying around and kids just, just making stuff up. It's happened quite a lot. I remember uh, one kid convinced me that his family uh, had actually moved into a building that had robots as servants and a room that could fill up with water as a swimming pool. And he definitely won that debate. I believed him. But, but I, have, I have a question for you this morning as we get started. Is there ever any doubt in your mind uh, as to whether God will win? Is there ever any doubt in your mind as to whether God will win? We look around us at the moment, we see war and violence, uh, there's oppression and injustice. Uh, we see sin on display clearly in other people's lives, in our own lives as well, even in our private lives that we try to, to hide away. We look at something like the census data for Christianity in Australia, and we see a decline in the amount of people who call themselves a follower of Jesus. Is there ever any doubt in your mind about whether God will win? Now, this morning's psalm is a psalm that settles the age-old debate about whose dad will win. And we can say it uh, with great confidence together this morning as well. See, we can say that God wins. Or rather, we can say God has won already. Now, the way we'll be looking at this psalm today is in three different sections. Uh, Firstly, we'll be looking at verses 1 to 6, and then 7 to 23, and then 24 to 35. It's quite a long psalm, so we'll be moving through these sections relatively quickly but I hope that this morning you feel the great comfort and the great confidence of this psalmist as we reflect on our God's greatest victory a victory that we share in through his son Jesus you'll see the first headings uh, there on your on your outline on your leaflet if you've got that says choose God's side Uh, I actually want you to ignore that heading or cross this out Uh, it's this one that's on the screen behind me first heading for this morning a powerful protector Well, the first six verses of this psalm, they establish two things about God. Firstly, that he is a God to be feared, that he is powerful, and that nothing and no one can stand in his way. We read this in verse 1, May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him, may you blow them away like smoke, as wax melts before the fire. These are the first words of this psalm, and They're powerful, aren't they? They're fighting words. But they are words that were actually first uttered by another Israelite called Moses. See, when God was leading the Israelites through the wilderness, Moses would say these words. And the Ark of the Covenant would go out before the Israelites, and God would scatter those who tried to harm the Israelites and take them away from God. So in Psalm 68 this morning, the psalmist proclaims these words with the confidence of someone who knows who God is 
and what the outcome is of anyone who seeks to stand against him. They are blown away like smoke. They melt as wax before a fire. I mean, what an image, right? With, with a puff of breath, those who stand against God are just, just blown away. No more. See, nothing could stop God from leading his people into the promised land, from giving them life. He is a God to be feared. He, he is powerful and is a God of justice. He will judge those who do wrong before him. Now, you might be here today and you read this and your view of God uh, is as some sort of monster, a monstrous kind of, kind of will-imposing tyrant. Maybe that's what you think today, who just wants people to bow to his will or else. And we're seeing plenty of that in human leaders at the moment, aren't we, around the world? But we learn something else about the character of God in these verses. See, he is powerful, he is to be feared, but he is not a tyrant. Rather, he is the protector of those in need, the protector of any who turn toward him in trust and dependence. We read in verse 5 to 6, God is a father to the fatherless. God is a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. See, when this psalm speaks of the rejoicing of the righteous in verses 3 and 4, it's not the rejoicing of people who have stood at God's side and, and helped him win. It's not the rejoicing of people who have something to contribute to prove their worthiness to God. It's not the rejoicing of, of the self-righteous. We see plenty of that, don't we? And we've seen plenty of that in history as well. No, it's the rejoicing of people who know they have nothing to offer, yet who come to God in dependence, who come to God to save them. It's the rejoicing of people who trust solely in their powerful God to protect them from those who would seek to enslave them and harm them and kill them. It's the rejoicing of a people delivered from slavery and oppression and protected by their powerful God who will not let anyone take them away from him. Have you ever seen a child in a crowded room become kind of unsettled? Or seen a child be greeted by someone maybe that they're, they're a little bit unsure of? Where do they go when that happens? They go to mum or dad. They, they kind of stand behind their legs, their place of refuge and safety. See, it's the image here in verse 5 to 6. God is a God of power, of justice, to be feared. And he is the Father who we can turn to in need. We see this on display in the next section of the psalm in verses 7 to 23. See, we see the greatest victory ever proclaimed. And it's a victory that is actually shared with us. That's heading to God's victory shared. I remember being at a quiz night once, and I'm, I'm not very good at quiz nights in general. You don't want me at your table, okay? But someone had asked me to be on their table because they took quizzes very seriously. They even suited up for their quizzes. And they asked me to be on their table because they thought that there would be a Bible knowledge round, and I was at Bible college at the time. Maybe the only round I might be mildly helpful at. Okay, well, toward the end of the quiz, it became apparent that there was no Bible knowledge round in the quiz. And as such, I was actually com completely useless as part of this team on that quiz night table. I contributed absolutely nothing. But somehow, somehow, my table still managed to win the quiz night. And we were given this gigantic hamper with delicious food of all varieties, some nice wine in there as well. It was all wrapped up beautifully. 
Uh, but the time came to kind of divvy up the spoils of victory. Um, and this, this person who had asked me to be on their quiz night table, they looked at me, this person who took their quizzes very seriously, and they said, Jack, you didn't really help out much at the quiz night. Which is fair enough. I spent most of the night kind of yelling out wrong answers to try to throw other teams off and just kind of trying to make jokes. But he looked at me and said, so here's what you get. And he handed me this single mini Mars bar chocolate. Right, that was my share. Spores of war. And then he changed his mind and he took it back. And he said, actually, you don't get anything. You get nothing. See, I got, I got out what I put in. It was not much at all, right? Nothing. It was actually nothing. In verses 7 to 18, it becomes apparent what the Israelites put in while God was leading them into the promised land. In verse 7 we read, When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain. I mean, here's this this amazing picture of the God of creation going before his people and creation itself just trembling before and obeying God as he, verse 9, gave abundant showers. In verse 10, as God provided for the poor. See, God looked after the needs of his people while they were in the wilderness, provided food for them, provided shelter. But surely the Israelites needed to contribute something to to fighting the kings and the armies that assailed Israel as they went through the wilderness, right? Well, let's see in, in verse 11 to 13. We read this. The Lord announces the word... And the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Kings and armies flee in haste. The women at home divide the plunder. In ancient Near Eastern times, the women of Israel would stay behind and care for the households, for the families, while uh, the men would go off and and fight and do battle. But can you notice where where the, the men of Israel are while all this is unfolding? It's in verse 13 there. While all this is happening, they're asleep in the sheep pens. The Israelites are sitting at the table during the quiz night and they're not contributing anything. But while I received what I had earned during that quiz night, which which was nothing, what did the Israelites receive? Well, even the mountains, we read in verses 14 through to 16, are, are jealous of what they receive because the sovereign God of all who rides on the clouds, it's verse 4, chooses a dwelling place. And that dwelling place is with his people in Zion, in the temple in Jerusalem. I mean, not only does the powerful, sovereign God of all who is protector dwell with them, we read that they get to share in what God has won. They share in his victory. We read of this, this amazing victory procession, don't we, in verse 17 to 18. The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. This is a a king's entrance being declared here. A king who has been victorious in war, who has brought peace to his people, entering his city. Now verses 19 to 23 there, it contains some pretty graphic imagery, doesn't it? We read of God crushing the heads of his enemies. We read of God bringing his enemies before Israel that their feet may wade in the blood of foes and the tongues of dogs might have their share. I mean, it's pretty graphic, isn't it? A little bit disturbing, the language there. But what's, what's going on? What's being brought out there? Well, it's here we see that the psalmist recognizing that 
God is not a God who just claims victory for himself. But is a God who shares his victory. A God who actually brings his victory to give to his people. See, the Israelites contribute nothing, and yet still God shares his victory with them. And we read verse 19, they, they are blessed. Verse 19, we read this. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the Sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Now, for us here this morning in this room, we we couldn't be uh, more far removed from the times of this psalm if we tried, could we? This is a psalm sung in praise of God long ago. And the Israelites remembering how God rescued them from slavery to Egypt and, and brought them into the promised land, into Jerusalem. It's a great history here. So how does this psalm become one that we sing? Well, as those who have trusted in Jesus, well, we can sing this psalm because of the victory that Jesus has claimed and because of the victory that Jesus has shared with us. See, that's what this psalm points us toward. That God's greatest victory of all is something that he shares, something that he brings us into. See, we too can sing, praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. See, God's rescue of the Israelites from slavery to the Egyptians, God's bringing the Israelites into his promised land, and God's dwelling with the Israelites in Jerusalem. Well, it all points towards what God was planning all along. That he would make a way for humanity to be rescued from slavery to sin and death. That we would be brought into the eternal kingdom of God and that God will never leave us. And not even death can take us from him. And how? Because in the words of Paul the Apostle, we read this out a couple of weeks ago, thanks be to God... He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death has been defeated. Sin has been dealt with. And eternal life has been given in relationship with our God. See, those people in verses 5 to 6 of Psalm 68, right at the start, well, that is us, totally and completely in need of the forgiveness and mercy and protection of a gracious Father, who we would otherwise stand before as enemies because of how we treated him. People with nowhere else to go but to flee to Jesus in faith, that he will save us from what we deserve. Yet people who Christ gave everything for, even his life, that we might gain the greatest victory of all. The victory over sin and death. As Jesus took our burden of sin on his own shoulders at the cross. It's a victory over the broken world that we live in, that one day we know Jesus will come to judge as its king, as its ruler. A victory that means Jesus will bring those who trust in him home to be with him forever. No longer as people who stand before God as those deserving his judgment, but as those made righteous only through faith in Jesus. Free from the horrors and the sin and the struggles of this world there'll be no more see god god has won the cross shows it jesus resurrection uh, shows it and god shares this victory with us this world it's not home our home is with god 
the God who has had the victory over sin and death. And finally, point three, God who's given us a victory to, to share with the world. Sharing God's victory. Now, I'll be honest, the victory of the, of the quiz night wasn't a victory I really wanted to boast to any, about to anyone. Um, but this victory in Psalm 68 from verses 24 to 35 that we read, it's a victory that's, that's paraded around the world, isn't it? We read of the Israelites lifting their voices in praise of God, uh, knowing that God is with them in, in this great, amazing procession that goes into the city with people praising God as they go in. And we read in verse 28 of the psalmist's desire that God's power be known by the nations around Israel as they are turned from rebelling against him and are humbled and they come to him in praise. In verse 32 there, we read, Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. See, God has won. And his victory is to be declared to the nations. Now, this victory, it can be a hard victory, can't it, to feel when you're surrounded by people who don't believe it. It can be a hard victory to feel when you're surrounded by people who don't believe it. And it might feel that way when, when reading about the census data of Australia. But listen to, to some of what's happening in other places in the world. Um, in an article I read about Christians in Iran from the Gospel Coalition that was written just uh, last year, um, I read this, that in the last uh, 20 years, uh, more people in Iran have become Christians than in the previous 13 centuries since, since Islam, ca Islam came. In 1979, there were an estimated 500 Christians there with a Muslim background. Um, today, though, there are hundreds of thousands who have turned to Christ from Islam. Some estimate more than one million. And according to the research organization Operation World, has the fastest growing evangelical movement in the world. It's, it's amazing. Another article I read about a church in Cambodia stated that over the last 26 years, just, just one single province in northeast Cambodia had gone from, from having zero churches to 70, just in 26 years of people coming to Christ, responding to this victory. And in one more article, the rate of growth of Christianity across Africa was being traced out. And the person who wrote that article stated that if the trajectory that this growth is on continues, well, already by the year 2050, Africa will be home to more than a billion Christians. A billion people who have turned to Christ, who've responded to his great victory and put their trust in him. See, the good news of the victory of Jesus over sin and death, it continues to, to spread across the world. So all the nations today, as people respond to their desperate need for a saviour and turn in faith to Jesus. And it continues to save lives today in Australia. Just on Friday, I heard a story from uh, a pastor uh, or someone in their church who um, had come to them very, very recently. Um, they weren't a Christian. And they felt really uneasy with the world and everything that's happening. They just needed peace. That's all they wanted was peace. They came to church, they heard the gospel, and they found that peace 
in the victory of Christ and turning to Him. God continues to save lives today as people turn to Christ and recognize His victory and their great need for Him. See, God has won and He wants people to know it so that they might turn to Him and share in His victory and not remain His enemies. This is amazing news that we have to share, an amazing victory to celebrate because God has won. So He is the one to follow, to put our trust in. The only one who can offer what we seek futilely in this world to find life, peace, comfort and rest. It's all found in Him. And what's amazing is that as we go out to share this news, as we live our lives, as we seek to follow Jesus in a culture where this is difficult, well, just as the Israelites weren't alone in the desert, as they weren't alone in Jerusalem, well, we aren't alone. To hear Jesus' words from Matthew 28 as he gave his great commission to make disciples of all nations, he says, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, God has won. God is with us. Now, to, to close, I'd actually like to uh, invite you to stand as you're able to stand. And we're going to read aloud the final verses of this psalm together from verse 32 to 35 as we praise this amazing God who's won the, the greatest victory of all. So as you're able, would you please stand? The verses should be on the screen. Let's read together. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Amen. Would you please be seated? Uh, the band is going to, to come up now. And we're going to sing a really great song as we lift our voice in praise of our victorious King, the King of Kings, Jesus. As the band comes up, just let me pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for the victory of Jesus. Father, thank you for the good news of who you are as a God who loves us, who in our desperate need, even when we'd rejected you and turned away from you in sin, you sent your Son to this world to die on a cross so that we might have forgiveness, that we might be brought back to life in his name and reconciled with you. We praise you for this victory. We pray that you'd help us go out in boldness to share this great victory with those around us. We pray that you would help us to find great comfort and rejoicing that you have won the greatest victory of all over sin and death and that we can be with you. Amen.